Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Heel Turn, our live weekly wrestling show, and the official podcast of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's not cool. We're here to talk about this past week in the WWE, which means we're going to talk about Raw and SmackDown Live. Well, a little bit. We're going to talk about NXT, which aired tonight, and what also aired tonight was the Mae Young Classic. Which is why the live version is again an hour later than usual. But, along with that, this Sunday is Hell in a Cell. Because we didn't have enough crazy stuff happening a couple weeks ago for doing another pay-per-view. So I'll be running down the card with my predictions and all that good stuff. Along with the news and all the other great things going on in wrestling. I'm your host, Owen, and we're streaming live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline. So if you're in the chat, feel free to send questions, comments, and all that good stuff. Or uh, tweet us at the heel turn. Because I'm running the show by myself, it's a little hard to keep track of everything, but I'll do the best I can. Because as, as it still is a one-man show. But as I said, we're an hour later for the second week in a row because the May Young Classic is airing, and we don't want to compete against it, and also we want to talk about it. And also, if you watch tonight's episode, it, it's really good. Well, except for maybe like one match, but overall, it's a good show. And because of the hour late later, we're going to try to condense the show a bit and not make it super long so you guys aren't tuning in real late at night. So I'm going to say we're going to move right on to the wrestling news. Uh, not not a lot of wrestling news this week, actually, which is weird with the big pay per view coming up. But the two news stories that I do have are quite good. Our first one being that Renee Young. I guess, like, last week and two weeks before that, filled in as the first woman to co- to be on the announce table for Monday Night Raw. Well, it's no longer doing that part-time, because as of this week, she is now a full-time member of the Raw commentary team, and because it's the first time ever, and it's historic, WWE had to tell you all about it. Fortunately, they didn't let that take over the entire episode of Raw. They just did it off the top of the show, and then social media went all crazy with all that stuff. But this is still a really big step. Not just because, you know, she is the first woman in WWE to get to do this on the flagship show. But also because we don't have to deal with Jonathan Coachman anymore. Except for the uh, the panels. Or the pay-per-views. Which I think is a great role for him. Don't get me wrong. Commentary coach, dreadful. Has to come up with a word of the hour or the word of the week or whatever it was. But having him host a panel where he's only there for a little bit. And instead of calling matches, it's just breaking down what the card is for the night. Is excellent because he, before he first was in WWE... Then he went to ESPN to do Sports Center, and then he came back. And his time at Sports Center was very good. Like he did a lot of good work there, you know, hosting. But that's a very different role than doing live commentary for wrestling. So good on you, Coach. I I hope you do well in the one time a month that I see you. The other news we got here is that Daniel Bryan has reportedly signed a new WWE contract. Because that whole thing was up in the air for a while. But according to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, he signed it. They haven't like made it public, like didn't do an official announcement, but he signed the papers. He there's no more worry about will he won't he? He's in WWE. He's going to keep wrestling in the WWE. Which is a smart decision. Because it's good financially for his family. You know, now he's working with his wife a whole bunch. But also, 
it's a lot safer. Because the WWE can take care of him, make sure he doesn't do the stupid shit that got him hurt in the first place. Though, he still isn't really calming down all that much in the WWE either. So, at least there's medical people around? But the big part of this story is that with Daniel Bryan signing a contract and no longer having an issue of possibly leaving, they can move him from this weird mid-card feud he's doing to the WWE Championship. Because now he's a long-term guy. They could put the, you know, give him the ball, let him run with it, which he should be doing. And I expect the, the Miz and him to move into that title picture probably this fall. Would make sense. Yeah, good go on Danny Bryan for signing that contract and uh, continue to be healthy, dude. Keep doing your thing. That That's all I have for the news, really, this week. If there's anything that I missed or you want me to talk about and you're in the live chat on Twitch, just just pop in there and let me know, and I will, I'll bounce back to that. But if that's all we got, then let's move on. We're not going to talk about Raw and SmackDown, because we have a pay-per-view coming up this Sunday. So instead of that, I'm going to move the Raw and SmackDown talk to the Hell in a Cell segment, where we will have, you know, I'll break down the card and then discuss any things that happened in those feuds on the TV this week. And then, of course, give my prediction. But tonight, on the WWE Network, we had two live shows, so we should talk about them. Let's talk about NXT. NXT continues to be a really solid show. Like, no surprise there. But this week, things kicked off with a tag team match involving Odie Lorcan and Danny Burch, player one and player two, taking on Cesar Bononi and Adrian Jaude. Jaude? I, I, I should write down the pronunciation. I continue to not do it. But yeah, this is uh, the first time seeing Player 1 and Player 2 since their TakeOver match against the Undisputed Era. Which was not the last TakeOver, but the TakeOver before last. So they've been gone for quite a while. It's good to see them back, though. And uh, Cesar Bononi continues to be a person. While uh, Adrian... I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna call him Adrian. I'm not gonna call him by his last name because I'm gonna screw it up again. But Adrian continues to be a surprisingly impressive guy. He's got really great athleticism and in-ring presence. He's not a superstar yet because he doesn't really have a character. But I am liking what I'm seeing from this guy. Uh, the match was, you know, a solid back and forth, but. Birch pinned uh, Adrian with an impact DDT to start building momentum for them again as they may possibly get back into the hunt for the tag titles. Which seems to suddenly be a very loaded crowd. Because you've got the Undisputed Era, you've got TM, or excuse me, The Mighty now. They're actually calling them by their right name. Uh, the Street Profits. Player 1 and Player 2. Heavy Machinery. Like, there's a lot of solid tag teams back in NXT now, and that's that's great, because during the whole um, Authors of Pain sanity stuff, they were pretty much the only teams going. And then Undisputed Era showed up and just beat everyone. So it looks like the Vision's back on track, and that's that's a good thing. Uh, after that, oh shit, Tommaso Ciampa comes out, and he's got music. No longer silence. It starts with a heart rate monitor beeping, and then this badass music plays, and he comes on out. And what's great is that he actually explains why he has music now. Not just, oh, I'm, I'm a WWE guy, I should have music, because everyone has music. He says that the music is his way of telling the crowd to shut up. 
Because before that, it was his entrance theme was just the crowd booing him. Which turned into a mixed reaction, which is not good. So this is a good way to mask that. So, smart on WWE. Uh, he says that people are accusing him of attacking Aleister Black and are using their imagination to draw that conclusion instead of using facts. He's a man of facts. He didn't do it. But he was going to do it until someone beat him to the punch. Which I could see that being the issue. Because I feel like Ciampa wouldn't de-gloat about it if he actually did it. After he won the match, he would be like, yeah, I did this, I screwed it over, I'm the best. But, yeah, it might, it's probably not him. I, I'm still putting money on it that it was Kevin Owens. The same guy who took out uh, Hideo Tommy way back when. So, uh, all of a sudden, he, he says that the title is talking, because he's a crazy person. And uh, the belt is thanking him for putting the title back into the main event of TakeOver. Which is a legit thing. Not not the part with the belt talking, but the part where the Ciampa versus Gargano matches took over the main event spot for the few TakeOvers until, of course, Ciampa won the belt, and then that became in the main event. So yeah. I guess, in a terrible way, it makes sense that Ciampa is the champion because he's the main focus of the show even before having it. I don't I don't like saying that. I don't like saying it, but I'm saying it. So yeah, that that's the promo. Uh he says if you want to succeed, follow the lead of Tomasa Ciampa. And then he leaves the ring, and on his way out, he grabs someone's sign that says, uh, Choppa sucks. And he's not a fan of that sign. Really, really solid segment. I like the music, I like the direction they're going. Still no idea who he's going to fight next. But, with the next takeover being in November, I guess we really don't need to worry about it, especially with it being War Games. And the War Games match being the focus instead of the title. Which kind of sucks for his promo because he just talked about being in the main event and then the War Games is going to be in it. Unless he sometimes somehow ends up in the War Games match. But really, he has no friends, so that doesn't make sense either. After that, we had Violet Payne taking on Shayna Baszler. Violet Payne being some, just some jobber. But a very flexible jobber at that. Because uh, the majority of the match is just Shayna Baszler twisting and popping her arm in all the worst positions imaginable. Like actually upsetting to watch. Including doing that thing where she stomps the arm so it goes the wrong way. No, not not a fan. No. Why 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 do people have to fuck with the limbs? Just just do the wrestling. Stop stop upsetting me. Uh the then she puts her in the uh, the Kirfuda clutch and uh Pain finally taps out. After all the twisting and turning, this clutch that chokes her out is the thing that makes her tap out. Sure, I guess. The throat was not really the thing she was working on the entire match, but I I'm, I guess that works. Shayna Baszler leaves, and then she goes back in the ring and puts the clutch on again. And the referees are trying to make her stop. She finally gets off. Then she does it again, because she's an asshole. And she's vicious, and she's dangerous, and all that. So she finishes that, then she throws uh, pain out of the ring, and then she just storms off. Shane Baszler, still a threat. Still was not a fan of all the twisting and the awful-looking stuff that happened to that girl's arm. No thank you. 
after that, we got a heavy machinery selfie promo out in the parking lot. Trying to discuss who was the person that took out Alistair Black. And they bring up Tommaso Ciampa's promo, where he said that he didn't do it. And they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't believe him. Tommaso Ciampa's an asshole, why would he s- speak the truth? And wouldn't you know it, Tommaso Ciampa is walking out in the parking lot with his belt for some reason. And he comes over and says, hey, if you're going to say my name, say put respect in your mouth when you do it, fool. And Otis just salivates at the idea of fighting him and just wants to beat up Tommaso Ciampa. But before that happens, uh, William Regal also is outside for reasons and says he's glad that Ciampa finally showed up because he's been avoiding his calls and he needs to see him in his off in Regal's office immediately for questioning. I hope this actually leads to an Otis Tozovic versus Tommaso Ciampa match because that is a weird matchup that I would very much be interested in seeing. I don't know what that match would be, but I like Otis's, you know, charisma. I like how weird he is in the ring. He might he does the uh, the caterpillar. It's good stuff. I, I like heavy machinery a lot. Then. We have Raul Mendoza versus Lars Sullivan, which uh, was a match that we had set up over the past couple weeks, with Lars attacking EC3 backstage before his match with Mendoza, and then beating up Mendoza because he's Lars. This match is pretty much just a showcase of Lars throwing Mendoza around the ring because he's a big, scary man. And uh, for a brief second there... They let Mendoza get some offense and start doing some like fast pace like die like uh, drop kicks and trying to go off the top rope. But if you try to do like a a press off the top rope to a big guy, you're gonna get caught and then you're gonna get slammed, and that's what happened to him. Uh, he starts uh, Lars starts just slapping him in the head and then put him in the freak accident and got the win. Because of course he did. He's Lars. He's a big scary man. Not sure where he... I guess he's going to feud with EC3 next. Which is not a match I want to see. But Lars is still impressive looking. He's a big, big guy. Then we had some interviews. We had a pair of interviews. The first one being outside because outside is the coolest place to be interviewed. With uh, Pete Dunne with his uh, his rolly suitcase coming to the arena and being asked about his champion versus champion match with Ricochet, which is now confirmed to be title for title with both belts on the line, meaning what you think it means. It means the Undisputed Era is going to show up and cause a DQ because we're not going to have a dual champion. Uh... Pete Dunne says Ricochet has been a champion for, like, what, five minutes? While he is the longest reigning champion in WWE, which, with Brock Lesnar no longer being Universal Champion, is accurate. So, what he needs to do now is figure out how he's going to put two belts in his mouth. And, again, another very valid thing he needs to work on. Then, right after that, we cut to the interview area where Ricochet is being interviewed. And he's asked about the uh, the match against Pete Dunne, and he says that uh, he's been in high-pressure situations long before his time in WWE. And, you know, it doesn't matter how long he's been champion, you know, it's still he's still the one and only. And Pete Dunne's going to be just another hurdle for him to jump over. And he's going to be the one and only dual champion in WWE. I don't believe him. I still guarantee you that Undisputed Era is going to show up and throw the match out. Because, again, they're not going to have a dual champion. That's just crazy talk. Then, 
we we see uh, Kyrie Sane in William Regal's office, just finishing up her interview or her interrogation for the whole Alistair Black situation. She leaves, and next up is Cassius Ono, everyone's favorite Cassius Ono, and uh, William Regal says, uh, "Yeah." I don't need to talk to you. You're, 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 you're good. Which upsets Cassius. He's like, well, what's wrong with me? I'm Cassius Ono. Everyone loves me. I hit the forearms and knock people out. Also, I oddly enough have the same initials as Kevin Owens, but let's not dwell on that fact. Regal's response is that Kyrie Sane had given him an alibi for where he was in the situation, so he's good. But he noticed that when sitting at the table, Cassius was a bit perturbed. And Ono's response is, yeah, I've been perturbed because I keep getting overlooked. I keep getting put to the back of the line. I'm the hot new free agent, not all these other people that keep showing up. What do I have to do? Do I have to wear a suit and be in the crowd at the next takeover to be noticed. Again, Ono is taking the old Tyler Breeze role and is going to be the jobber to the new guys. And he says, he tells Regal, uh, let him know when his uh, latest new toy is, is here and ready to fight. And then he pauses and says, bro. You know what that means. The King of Bros is going to take on the uh, the Cashizono in a match that I don't care about. Because I still don't care about Cashizono. You can hate me all you want for that. I still don't say it. He's not all that impressive. He has good forearms. That's all he's got. Then we get to the main event of the evening. Oh, by the way, the Undisputed Era had a one of their cool interviews, or the cool promo segments where they hang out a bunch around scaffolding and talk shit about watching the champion versus champion match, which again alludes to them interfering. It's, pre- it's pretty easy, guys. Not, that match is gonna be great. It's also not gonna have a finish. Uh, then. We have Bianca Belair taking on Nikki Cross. A match that we had set up last week. During the whole interrogation thing. And, uh... Cross starts the match by dodging a bunch and, uh, just being a weirdo. And screaming and... Just being Nikki Cross. You know how, you know how it is. Uh... The, the part where the Bianca doing the move where she just does like a full press, like holding her opponent over her head for a while. Still impressive. Bianca Belair, very strong. But then we get to the end, which is Nikki Cross is choking Bianca while being on her back, while they're on the outside. Bianca responds by, I'm going to go over toward that uh, that grating that is the entrance ramp and uh, fall backwards and knock you the hell out. Which she did. Only problem is the referee counted to ten. So it was a no contest. They both got counted out. That's a shame. That didn't stop them, though, because even after that happened, they came to and started fighting. Brawled over to the announcer table. Bianca th- threw Nikki Cross over the announce table while you know the referees were still trying to separate them since the match was over. But Nikki Cross got up, jumped up on top of the announce table, and did a uh, did a splash, did a crossbody, took everybody out, and that's how the show ended. It was it was a good episode of NXT. It wasn't like. Didn't blow any anyone away, but it's still solid. I think uh, think the match to watch is uh, the Lorkin Birch uh, Benoni Adrian match. I think that match was uh, 
my favorite one of the evening. Just because I like Player 1 and Player 2 a lot. These two are great. I'm happy to see them back. The Choppa promo is also worth checking out. And hearing his new music, it was quite good. Everything else, eh. Skip, kind of skippable. We're getting that champion versus champion match next week. I'm sure that will... You know, if if you haven't been listening to me for the past few minutes, it's it's not it's not gonna end well. But yeah, that's NXT. The other show that we had this evening was the May Young Classic. Again, for those tuning in late, you're actually not that late because the show started an hour later, and it will be for the next month. Or so, however long this tournament's going. But yeah, the Man Classic. Four more matches. This this continues to be great. I really enjoy the Mayon Classic. I'm sure by the end of it, I'm gonna start getting sick of it. But we're getting new people every week, and I'm including one of the people that I was really interested to see make their television debut. Let's get to it. First match of the Mae Young Classic this week. Deanna Perrazzo versus Priscilla Kelly. Priscilla Kelly likes to get her opponent's guard down with mind games. And she says that what she brings to the Mae Young Classic is truly special and unique. She doesn't say what it is. She just says it's special and unique. So I'll take her word for it. Deanna Perrazzo... She's an armbar specialist, and uh, she was an alternate last year for the Mae Young Classic, but she didn't get to compete, so that's sad. She had a breakdown in her car over it when she got the call. This is a big deal for her to be in the, the Mae Young Classic, and uh, she's still playing the Virtuosa, which we got to see on the uh, the episode take. Uh, episode of NXT after TakeOver. It, it, she has a cool jacket. Uh, Priscilla Kelly is apparently a Roman gypsy. It's not offensive because that's what commentary said. And she was on some kind of reality show too. I, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to that stuff. Uh, when... They do the, uh, the, the the handshake at the start of the match, as they do for all the man classics. Uh, Kelly slaps her instead of shaking her hand. Slaps, uh, slaps her hand, not her face. Slaps her hand instead of shaking it. Because mind games. That's unfortunately the only mind games that she really played in this match. Despite hyping it up in her video. Uh, Diana De- actually is the one to play in mind games because uh, when Kelly has her in a head scissors, uh, Diana just does a handstand. It doesn't really, it's not supposed, really shouldn't get her out of the move, but it did anyway because Priscilla was very confused about it. And then she did her virtuosa bow because Diana Perrazzo is pretty cool. Um, Priscilla keeps trying to do quick pinfalls to get out of this match but it's not working and it's starting to frustrate her then Diana gets Priscilla Kelly in that arm bar she was talking about and if that wasn't enough she's just like hopping up and down in the arm bar to add more torque and pressure and it's just too much she has to tap out Diana Prazo wins and advances and in the post match she she you know she sheds a few tears. It's very emotional. Good for her. I'm happy to see her succeeding and getting her chance after being a jobber on NXT for so long. Good for her. Now the next match which I actually wrote the pronunciation of this name so I wouldn't screw it up. It was Ariel Monroe versus Zeoxes. Ariel is, uh, she's known as Big Swole. She's got some cool green hair. 
And uh, she has a certain swag going on, and uh, people can expect a lot of charisma and a big beating. She's she's pretty cool. Zeoxes, uh, they promote her as having a blend of Lucha Libre and Japanese Strong Style, and Color Me Intrigued. That sounds like it'd be very cool. Turns out in this match, it's not that cool. Uh, during uh, Ariel's entrance, we see Cedric Alexander and uh, a child in the crowd. Because Cedric Alexander is her husband, and that's their child. Isn't that sweet? Then we get into the match, and uh, right off the bat, Zeoxes touches that green hair, and Ariel is not a fan. Uh, she yells, if you touch my hair again, you're going to get popped in the mouth. Big Swole is here, baby. Uh, Zeoxes, of course, touches her hair again and gets the shit kicked out of her. Because she was warned. But. The crowd. Started chanting. Swole is going to pop you. And. Uh, Zeoxys was not a fan of that. So once she had. Uh, Ariel on the defensive. She just grabbed her by the hair. And started yanking her around. Very disrespectful. Not good at all. And at this point. We're like pretty deep into the match, and I haven't seen Zeoxys do anything impressive. I've expected some high flying, some like hard hits. N none of that. It was just basic wrestling. N nothing stood out. And as soon as I wrote that, uh, Zeoxys hit a top rope smash fly and got the win. And I was like, okay, that's cool. That's a cool move. I'll give you that one. But, uh,. Crowd was not happy because they were all about Big Swole. And she's out already. And the camera cuts to Cedric Alexander and Ariel. And, uh, oh no, the kid's crying. They fucked up. Why'd they do this? I hope that we get to see more of Ariel Monroe. Possibly in NXT. Because we did not get enough. And I am a fan. I like her. I like her swagger. And her husband's in the company, so it would make sense. Then, we get to my favorite match of the evening. Casey Catanzaro versus Reina Gonzalez. Reina Gonzalez is six foot, and she's, she's one of the biggest competitors in the tournament this year. And she said she was too nice last year. And that's what got that's what got her loss. So her response this year, she's just gonna focus on winning, and I'm sure that's gonna be just the ticket. Her opponent is Casey Catanzaro. If that name is familiar, then you were a fan of American Ninja Warrior, because that's where she made her name, and she was the first lady to actually complete the course. A bunch have done it since her, but she was the big inspiration. She was the one that did it. She climbed that warp wall. She, she's pretty cool. I've, as a fan of American Ninja Warrior, and watching her during her initial runs, I've was very intrigued in seeing her transition to wrestling because she's athletic, but she had zero wrestling experience at all. When she went to the Performance Center. And it's been under a year. And this is her first televised match. What's cool is that when Casey comes out. She actually climbs. The ring post. From the outside. Like she's climbing. A, one of the courses in American Ninja Warrior. And it's it's really cool. It's unique. I've never seen that before. Already off to a good start. But then they get to, into the ring. And the bell rings. And you notice. Oh shit. Shit, that's a big size difference. With Casey being five foot and a hundred pounds, and uh, Reina being six foot and two hundred pounds, I'm sure this will go well. It, it doesn't, for the most part. 
because uh, right off the bat, Casey goes for a, a spear takedown, and Reyna just catches her by the head and spins her around before tossing her, Super Mario 64 style. Then, we I see a move that I've never seen before. I'm, I'm sure they've done it in the Indies, but I hadn't seen this. Casey, when she's on the outside going getting into the ring, she actually does like a handstand on the top rope for like a few seconds before she gets in. And it was really impressive because the ropes are not really that stable. So that was damn impressive. I really enjoyed that. Then she went for head scissors and the brain is very big. That's not going to work. And that's the story is that Casey's fast. But uh, every time she tries to do a move to Reyna, she's just a brick wall. And it's like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna get the job done. You gotta, you need more in speed. You need to actually, like, take her down. But fortunately, with her speed, she got, uh, she got uh, Reyna to hit the post in that famous spot where you go for a spear, miss, oh no, my shoulder hit the post. Whatever will I do? Uh, Casey uh, starts, you know, trying to do drop kicks and you know work on her base, get her down to one foot, and then get her to the ropes. And uh, it's still not enough. Miranda catches her, but Casey f- flips it into a roll-up reversal. One, two, three. Casey Gonzaro somehow picks up the win. And let me just say, for for having under a year of experience in a ring of any sorts, she did really well. I was really impressed. She did a great job selling. The, the interactions and the storytelling of the match was pretty solid. No real screw-ups at all. I'll give her a thumbs up. I'm I'm excited to see her do more stuff. After the match, uh, Reyna extends her hand for a, a handshake. Uh, Casey accepts it, gets yanked in, thinks she's going to get beat up. Instead, Reyna puts her on her shoulder, Macho Man style, and they celebrate. Sign of respect, Reyna, now that she lost, can still be a nice person. Really good. This was my favorite match of the night. Definitely check that one out. Then we get to the main event. With Mercedes Martinez taking on Ashley Rain. Mercedes Martinez lost in the semifinals last year to Shayna Baszler. And uh, that's then. This is now. She's going to actually take it all the way this time. This is her year. And without Shayna being in the tournament, there's a good chance. Uh, Meanwhile, Ashley Rain, she's been wrestling for 13 years. They get to this point, and she's finally making her WWE in-ring debut. And they show a bunch of stills of her 13 years of wrestling, and it's a bunch of pictures from Impact. Because if you don't know... Ashley Rain is Ashley Madison Rain, who you may have seen at All In a couple weeks ago. That's cool. Mercedes, uh, Ashley Rain, you know, doing all the work. WWE, Impact, All In. She's she's getting out there. So uh, they point out that Mercedes works two full time jobs to support her family. But she does wrestling because it's fun. Gotta give her respect for that hustle. And she's kind of decent in the ring for constantly working. So that's great. Uh, Not not a lot to report in this match, unfortunately. Uh, Madison Reigns... uh, uh, Excuse me. uh, Mercedes Martinez gets Allison Reigns. Ashley... What am I saying? Madison Reigns, Ashley Reigns... It's all... I'll just call her Rain. Whatever. Uh, Mercedes gets Rain in a front uh, front full Nelson lock on the mat for a while. Russ holds. And, uh... 
That's cool. Then Mercedes has uh, Ashley in a uh, a soup up in a suplex, and she holds her up, you know, vertically for like a good thirty seconds, which is damn impressive. Slams her down, still holding on. Goes for another one, but it it, it gets reversed. Uh, Ash- Ashley hits a uh, impressive spinning guillotine drop, but uh, Mercedes kicks out of that, and. Uh, that's pretty much all the interesting spots. From there, uh, Mercedes hit, hits her a fisherman buster and gets the win. Eh. For uh, Rain working so hard to get to WWE, this was not the best match. And she's out of the tournament, so she doesn't get another one. That's a shame. Hopefully they can get her to, you know... I'm pretty sure she didn't sign a WWE contract, but I hope... We get to see her like do some matches in NXT moving forward. Possibly getting signed later. But yeah, this is fine. As I said, uh, the Catanzaro-Gonzalez match it was my match of the night. You should check that out. And keep in mind that she has not been wrestling for like a- at least a year. She's under a year under her belt. First TV match. Athletic as hell. Excellent stuff. That's that's the Mayon Classic. So, if we're moving on from that, then what we're talking about next is Hell in a Cell. Which is this Sunday on the WWE Network. It's going to be a hundred hours. I hope you're excited. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, six. There's eight matches announced so far. Nothing has been announced for the kickoff show. So, well, as of this podcast, which is on Wednesday night, there's no matches announced for the uh, the kickoff. But I'm gonna guess we're gonna get an Elias segment. And hmm, probably a Bobby Roode Chad Gable match. Them tag teaming against. Uh, Would they really do the Ascension again? Yeah, they'd probably do the Ascension again. That's going to be my prediction for the match. Just a a lame match there. So let's get to the actual card, and uh, if anything involving these people happened on the weekly TV this week, I'll, I'll bring it up. The first up is the Raw Tag Team Championship. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre defending against Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. They did a they did a show long angle involving the Shield this week on Raw, and it was not good. It was pretty much uh, Baron Corbin's kicked them out of the building, and if the Shield shows up. During the show, they'll get uh, they'll get arrested or something. I don't know how law works in the WWE universe anymore. So later in the night, Ambrose and Rollins show up, and Corbin's pissed. And then they go, "Well, actually, it's we're just Rollins and Ambrose. We're not the Shield. Roman's not here," which is garbage. And then they did a weird thing with a a guard who. If you didn't notice on his name tag, said Ambrose, because he's a relative of Dean, I guess. They didn't make that clear. It wasn't, wasn't very good. I, I don't know about this. Like, I get it that, uh, you know, the Shield are a hot commodity, and Ziggler and McIntyre are a good team, but I don't like the chemistry of these teams anymore. We And we've seen... The Rollins Ziggler feud been going on for a while. Plus, Rollins has the Intercontinental title, and they're kind of not doing anything with it, especially on this pay per view. That's so kind of a weird thing. I don't know. I'm I'm just gonna assume that the. Hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna assume that Ziggler and McIntyre cheat to retain their belts because, as I said, Rollins is already the Intercontinental champion. If he were to win and become a dual champion, 
that would piss off Pete Dunne, and you don't want to piss off Pete Dunne. So I'm going to say Ziggler and McIntyre retain their belts by some cheating. Then we get the SmackDown Tag Team titles, which are the New Day defending against the winners of the number one contenders match that we had this week on SmackDown between The Bar and Rusev Day. The, the, the highlight of watching these se- the segment on SmackDown was the fact that the New Day were at their weird commentary table again, with Biggie having an actual package of pancake mix and eggs, and was actually going to mix together pancakes while they were doing commentary, which makes no sense because they had no way to cook them. Unless they had one of those, like, plug-in griddles somewhere, which I didn't see, so... I don't know, that's, that seems dangerous to me, I don't know. And uh, we had Kramer Kingston backstage doing, I guess, a preview of the match without actually interviewing the bar who were just hanging out behind him. It was goofy. I liked that. I missed a new day last week, so I was happy to have them back. Then the match between uh, the bar and Rusev Day was excellent. And... The storytelling with Aiden English sacrificing himself to help op- give an opening for Rusev to hit the uh, Machka kick and get the win was pretty great. The so Rusev Day wins, and now it's set up. The New Day is facing Rusev Day, Day versus Day, with the, the show in Australia coming up, where the Bar, who lost the chance to get a title shot, get a title shot. I it I don't know. It's weird. The Australian show's weird. Who cares? Point is we're gonna get we're getting the New Day versus Rusev Day. As much as I would love Rusev Day to, you know, carry this momentum into the match and get the win, I just don't see it. Especially with with that Australian show coming up. I think they're gonna keep it on the New Day. And I don't know where they go with Rusev Day after this if they don't win the belts. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see. Is that when we'll get the turn with English turning on Rusev? Who could say? I thought I thought that was going to happen during the Andrade feud, but we didn't get that either. We have the Raw Women's Championship. Ronda Rousey defending against Alexa Bliss. How we hyped this up on Raw was we had a tag match with the... I believe it was... Hold on. Who was in that tag match? I know Alexa Bliss was teaming with... I want to say Alicia Fox, but I don't think that's right. Let me pull pull it. But anyway, they, they fought against Natalia and Ronda Rousey. And that match... Was weird and not great because oh, I've got the I've got the raw results up here. It was Mickey James. Okay, that makes more sense. I couldn't see I couldn't see Mickey James or I couldn't see Alicia Fox doing a lengthy match with uh with Natalia and Rousey. So Mickey James is the right person for that role. That that sounds better. But yeah, this match was weird because it was the first time we got to see Ronda Rousey like do prolonged selling, which wasn't great. It made her look real terrible. Didn't need to say it. Not Ronda should just be this unstoppable monster, and we made her look vulnerable. We was just scratched this from the record book and say it never happened. Ronda Rousey's just gonna dominate Alexa Bliss again. That's what the people want. So Ronda Rousey's going to retain her belt. On the SmackDown side for their championship, we have an actual good feud going on with Charlotte Flair defending against Becky Lynch. And this week on SmackDown, Charlotte took on Sonya Deville because Charlotte's excuse was that she wanted competition. And... I guess Sonya Deville 
is an MMA type person. Despite the fact she, I don't think she's won a single match on SmackDown since the brand split. So I don't know. Whatever, Charlotte won the match easily, and afterwards she posed for a selfie with some young fans before another fan from behind attacked, only to reveal under the hoodie, under the black wig, under the glasses, it was Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch came out and put her in the the disarmor on the ramp and yelled about how it's been two years since she won the belt and she wants it back now. And the crowd goes wild because this heel turn is not going to stick with Becky. I don't care how long they keep trying. Becky is just too damn badass. So, I don't know what they're going to do. I think they should do a double turn in this match. Because, as I've been saying, Charlotte is a flare. Flares are generally heels, and Charlotte is a great heel. Becky is likable. She's now like kind of like an anti-hero, Stone Cold-style person. Have, have the roles flipped. Just let Becky win the belt and then Charlotte flip on, like, lo- lose her mind and attack her afterward to set up a few in Australia, or set up the match in Australia where the roles are reversed. That would make sense to me. So my pick is Becky Lynch wins and there's going to be a double turn. I, I really hope that happens. Then we get a Hell in a Cell match with Jeff Hardy against Randy Orton. The reason we're having a Hell in a Cell match is because Jeff Hardy is near the end of his career and he wants to have a Hell in a Cell match. So let's let's let him have one. He's going to jump off the goddamn top of the cell. Real, especially on a show where Mick Foley is also going to be on. That's not great. Not a great idea. Anyway, the, the the hype this match, they had Nakamura fight Jeff Hardy again. And Randy Orton show up before Hardy can win to cause a DQ because, of course, he did. We, we can't have nice things. We can't have nice things with Nakamura either because Nakamura is not on the card on Sunday. And he hasn't had a program of any sorts since the Hardy one. They kind of, like, hinted at the United States of Nakamura and then did nothing with it. So Nakamura's kind of just been doing nothing. Hopefully, we get him into some sort of feud or angle or anything on TV after this pay-per-view. Because, don't know if you remember, he's the United States champion. That belt should mean something. Do something with it, guys. Anyway, I'm just going to guess that uh, Jeff's going to pull out the victory because this is the match that he, the match type that he wanted. So let's let him have this victory so he can go on to do something else or go away forever. I don't, either one. Either one's fine. I couldn't care less. Then we have a mixed tag match. Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella, the Yes Couple, taking on the Miz and Maurice, the It Couple. And to promote this match on SmackDown this week, we had Brie Bella versus Maurice. It's Maurice's first singles match in seven years. I like Maurice. I've always liked Maurice. I'm I'm excited to see her wrestle. So instead, I get her avoiding any contact and running away the whole time and a couple people yell at the mic great I really need to stop expecting Maurice to wrestle like she did back in the day because it's I don't think it's ever gonna happen I got hyped for that John Cena Matt John Cena Nikki Bella versus Maurice and Miz match at WrestleMania a couple years ago that didn't work out then this match happened. I got hyped again. Didn't work out. 
So my uh, my interest in the match on Sunday is now gone because I don't think they're gonna let Maurice or I don't I guess Maurice doesn't have it in her the ability to actually wrestle anymore, and that is just sad. Plus, Brian and Miz are having a match again at the Australia show, so this doesn't matter. I'm going to guess that Miz and Maurice pick up the win. Maurice is going going to actually get the pinfall on Brie, because of why not? No, this doesn't matter. This is this feud. I was had a lot of steam going into it in the SummerSlam. And since then, they have deflated it by adding the wives and then also having another match, which is going to have like little to no build in Australia. This Australia show is really messing everything up, isn't it? They have 10 matches announced for it. I think the only people that are benefiting from it are the cruiserweights because they don't get to be on pay-per-views anymore, but they're going to get to be on this one. Then we have the WWE Championship with AJ Styles against Samoa Joe. And unlike the stuff they were doing, the Hype the Universal title match on Raw, we had two solid promos throughout the night on SmackDown. One with AJ Styles before SmackDown in an empty arena talking about how, yes... His short temper is his weakness, and Samojo's exploiting it. But also, my integrity is the strong my strong suit because Samojo has a family, and I don't bring them up because I'm not an asshole. And I'm just gonna be the better wrestler because I'm AJ Styles. Solid, you know, basic promo from Styles. But then we get to Samoa Joe. And he wrote a children's book called Night Night AJ. And he goes through it and he's got all these rhymes. And we get a bunch of like water watercolor filtered videos of the feud. And it is awesome. Oh my goodness. Go on to WWE's YouTube or go on the Hulu or however you watch your SmackDown content. And watch this promo. I am going to possibly be fighting for it for promo of the year at the end of the year now. I loved it. It was great. Samojo's so sinister. And also, the writing on this was so great. And the editing was great. And the part where that last page was a drawing of Samojo with the title. With Wendy and the, and the child. Because he... Stole the belt and his family. It's just, just so good. I can't believe I'm enjoying this feud. Because on paper, this sounds real stupid about Smojo trying to steal AJ Styles' family and being a total creep. But in practice, they're making it work, like, perfectly. This is great. I love it. Smojo, give him the damn belt. Give Smojo the belt. He deserves it. He's so good, and if he wins the belt, the feud can prolong. So make it happen. Then we go to the Raw side, and it's the Universal Championship between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, which is technically, I guess, the cash-in. I think. I think this is his cash-in. I feel like because he handed the briefcase to uh, Baron Corbin, there's going to be some shenanigans involved. And it's not going to actually be the cash-in. But, yeah. Oh, also, uh, Mick Foley's the referee now, because he showed up on Raw and somehow convinced Stephanie to let him do that and also book a match between Elias and Finn Balor. Because... Reasons. I posed this question on my Discord this week, but do people really care about Mick Foley as a character in 2018? I know he's a nice guy and all, but like, 
he really doesn't add anything to this match. Sure, you got the 20th anniversary of the Hell in a Cell, but he just had surgery. He can't really take bumps or be physical at all in this match. Though he's an insane person, he could still do it. Against all doctors' wishes. But yeah. He's just going to be in the match, and what was he going to do, turn heel and, and screw Roman? That's probably not going to happen. I don't. I just don't see the purpose of this. Aside just because. But my prediction is that Roman Reigns is going to retain. And then Roman's going to get beaten down by a bunch of people. And then Baron Corbin's going to hand Strowman the contract and say, you didn't actually cash it in. And then he's going to cash it in and win the belt. That, that's my prediction. So two matches. Roman Reigns wins, and then Roman Reigns loses. Because the cash-in has still not happened. And then we get to... Well, I guess that's, that's it. That's the last match. Okay. That's that's your eight matches for Hell in a Cell. Uh, is anyone excited about this pay-per-view? I'm excited about... Let me look at this card. I'm excited about two matches. I'm excited for the WWE Championship match because I think this could be Samoa Joe's moment. Because really, seriously, don't make it another screwed up finish. And I could see the uh, the Charlotte Becky Lynch match being excellent. And also, I'm hoping for that title win and double turn. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it for heel turn. Like I said, I wanted to, I wanted to condense the show a bit because we're late. It's a late night, but this has been Kill Turn, a production of ProWrestling.cool. It's not just cool; it's dot cool. It's a real website you can go to, where we I do a write up on SmackDown every week. Uh, we track our statistics. Hopefully our pal Michael will be back with the hot takes on that website because those are always excellent. And of course this podcast, which you can find on there and at zonecast.com along with our sister podcasts, The Takes Bakery and I'd Rather Not. Two goofy comedy podcasts that are uh, that I'm on and might be worth listening to since there's other people on it and it's not just me. Also, if you want to help support us Doing this wrestling thing, and by us I mean you know mostly me because it's, it's me doing this stuff now nowadays since my former partner is dead. Don't don't ask why. It's 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 a complicated story. But yeah, if you want to help support the website and this podcast and help us you know actually be able to run this stuff, you can go to Patreon.cool. Yes, I bought that URL because. I am a genius. So go to patreon.cool. That'll take you to our Patreon. And uh, for just a dollar a month, you can get the show notes to this and all episodes of Heel Turn. And then there's stuff above that, including the 9.99 tier, which will unlock a monthly bonus podcast, which this month is going to be me and my pal Trace. All the way from New Japan, Seattle. It's a real place. Don't don't question me, don't, and don't don't question him either. But yeah, all right, pal Trace and I will be going over the three destruction shows for New Japan Pro Wrestling, which I'm very excited about. Those are gonna be really good. They actually have some like big matches on there, including Kenny Omega versus Tomohiro Ishii for the title, and. Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada for the uh, the the Wrestle Kingdom title shot from the G1. Good stuff. So make sure you subscribe at that tier if you want to hear that podcast. And also, if you missed it at that tier or at any tier, I guess on the Patreon, you can hear all our G1 coverage that we did last month. It was it was a lot of it's a lot of podcast. But if you want to follow us on social media, Facebook, 
Just search ProWrestling.cool or go to Facebook.com slash PWDOTC. If you're a Twitter-type person, on Twitter, at PWDOTC or at The Heel Turn. And if you just enjoy me and you want to see what I'm up to, which is mostly playing Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4, then you can follow me on Twitter at the underscore ozone. Also, if you're if you're on Instagram, uh, my name on there is Owen underscore Douglas with two S's, and I will be at a concert. I'll be at a concert in New York this weekend, and I'll be posting a, a an Instagram story about that, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. Also, Vin the Bastard in the chat says that Taskmaster is in Spider-Man. I love that you keep spoiling that, that for everyone. It's kind of a big surprise in the game. So, thanks for the Bastard. That's it. We're done. We'll be back next week. More wrestling. We're going to be in a post-Hell in a Cell world. And I bet it's going to be okay. And yes, Rhythm Badger, I read everything in chat. I'm still pinning it on you. Everyone, go on Twitter and tweet at Rhythm Bastard if he ruined your Spider-Mans. Alright guys, back next week. See ya. This podcast is a part of the Zonecast Network, produced and edited by Owen Douglas. Find more of our shows at zonecast.com.